0: There are innumerable misconceptions to have about the world of publishing. I think the biggest one is that it's like too hard to understand. There's something about music publishing and the fact that it feels like it's got so many parts and it's got so much complexity and there's so many people involved that people just want to push it away and not deal with it, which doesn't work because then you're not collecting your royalties.
1: We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm super excited to be here with uh, Anna Bond, who is the senior director of Global Business Development at Songtrust. Not no relation to James Bond, or at least she says so. I feel like she would have to lie about it if she was because, you know, he's a secret agent would whatnot. But uh, Songtrust is, you know, a huge huge company, has been featured in Billboard, Rolling Stone, Forbes, and they're using current technology to be able to help songwriters and artists to collect the publishing royalties that they're owed across the internet. And so uh, today, I th- thought it'd be really helpful to kind of dive into that world of publishing royalties and figuring out you know, how to utilize the current tools uh, like SongTrust to be able to collect on the, the revenue that you, have, that you deserve as a songwriter. So Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. So I- I'd love to start out just by digging a little bit into your story and hearing a little bit about how you got started at SongTrust.
0: Sure. So I've been at Songtrust for about 2 years now. Prior to that, I was on the label side. So those are in the in the publishing and and label world, there's the master side and the composition side and and they always have like an uneasy relationship. So I came from the master side at record labels and then I went to the composition side at SongTrust. And, you know, both, both aspects of that world have their challenges, but they also have a lot of opportunities. So I was at record labels for about 15 years and joined SongTrust a couple of years ago, because I I really believe in, you know, the mission of empowering independent musicians and songwriters and making sure that there is an option for music publishing royalty administration that doesn't you know require that you give away too many rights that doesn't require that you know you're paying for services like creative services that you might not need. And yeah, I've just I found that that I really aligned with SongTrust mission. Mm. Oh, that's
1: awesome. If I'm hearing you right, it sounds like you said that you kind of there's two major sides and you almost like you like joined the dark side or you <laughs> like you flip side. depends on
0: the dark side depends on who you ask.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So you know, having worked with you know, a lot of artists, I, I know SongTrust has a huge catalog of, of artists. Um, what have you noticed have been some of the biggest challenges, some of the struggles that musicians, um, when they first get started with SongTrust, like what, what's like the, if you had to kind of put it into and summarize it into like a main, uh, a main solution that SongTrust is providing, how, how would you describe that problem that they're solving?
0: Well, I think there are a couple of problems, and um, one of them is that the music publishing world has been very opaque for a very long time. And there are a number of reasons for that. And one of them is that ultimately, you know any royalties that aren't collected go to the majors and their biggest artists. So we can see you know the money the money talks in terms of you know who's being motivated to educate songwriters as to what their rights are and what they can be collecting. Um, you know, it's not the folks that benefit if they don't get their money. So there's there's the issue of opacity. There's an issue of access. For a very long time, the only real way to get your to get fully publishing administered, to get fully administered, to get all your rights collected, was to sign with a traditional publisher. There weren't really a lot of other options out there. And traditional publishers are great. They do incredible work for their artists, but they're not right for everyone. And you know, coming from the label side, I worked at independent labels and I saw a lot of indie artists earlier in their career, they're starting to get a little bit of buzz. They sign a pub deal with you know an excellent reputable company earlier than they should have. They didn't have a lot of leverage. It wasn't very advantageous deal. I always like to say they like got 25 grand, they bought a van and then they never thought about it again. Mm. That's a big problem. Not thinking about it again is a big problem. But but so Songtrust really makes this global publishing network accessible. Anyone can sign up to Songtrust. You can go to Songtrust.com and sign up right now if you have any songs that you need administered, and we'll do it for you. And and having that option means that artists at any stage of their career can get this really easy accessible option, get their rights sorted. They know they're collecting everything they're owed and they don't have to do any additional contracts. They don't have to sign up with any additional companies that might be saying, we want your sync money. We wanna take you know some copyright ownership, like you know all these other things that traditional publishers are gonna ask for. And again, they do a lot of great work. So it makes sense that they're gonna ask for say higher fees or they're gonna ask for more creative control. But if you don't want that, there's now an option where there didn't used to be an option. And I would say, you know, education kind of going along with that because of the the traditionally opaque nature of this industry, education is a huge part of what SongTrust does. We have tons of educational materials available on our site. We have a downloadable free modern guide to music publishing that really starts at the, the very basic level and goes to a pretty complex global picture and is built for you know anyone just starting out or anyone who's in the industry or who's who's got a career who wants a refresher on these are my rights this is how I handle them and so song trust is really there to be the resource for you register your songs with us we're administering them globally you know that you're getting all the money period the end and that's really what we're built for to like you know empower people to know that they are uh you know benefiting from their rights as a songwriter um as much as possible
1: mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's so awesome and that's and I, I feel grateful that for things like what we're doing right now and and for the internet inf- information being able to share uh, information like this that in an open way uh, which sounds like that's really a big part of the the mission of song trust is to be able to empower musicians by creating more transparency uh, so in a nutshell it sounds like what you guys do is you really simplify the process of getting your songs published and collecting those royalties, where without that, there was a lot of uncollected royalties that were just kind of sitting in the ether. And because because of the lack of a good system for delivering those royalties, they just decided to give them to the people like the the major major artists. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So for a long time the the process was that after a certain period of time being uncollected, uncollected royalties would go into what was called the black box and then they'd be reallocated and what reallocated means is that they go to kind of the major players who who then deal with them as they need to but then you're going to look at at the contracts of the big writers of the big stars and it's going to say we get some of the black box right so so you know if you don't if you earn a thousand dollars and you don't collect it like drake gets your thousand dollars or taylor swift gets your thousand dollars and like they might both be great but they don't need your thousand (laughs) dollars Mm. You probably need it more than they do. So the idea is really to prevent that reallocation by making sure that people go out and and get get those royalties. Now, there's an asterisk to this because just at the beginning of this year, January 1st, 2021, was the launch of a very exciting uh, organization called the Mechanical Licensing Collective or the MLC. And uh, the MLC was built as um, a solution, a nonprofit funded by the DSPs, like Spotify, Apple Music, digital service providers, funded by the DSPs in order to make that information about song registrations and uncollected royalties public. And Mm. because the DSPs are paying for it, there's no no fee to use the MLC. It's for the US only, and it's for mechanical royalties only. So again, if you're looking for a one-stop shop and you're looking for global pub admin, the MLC and you know, BMI together are not your solution. That's a partial solution. But the MLC, I think one of the great things about it is that they've been doing a lot of education and they're really focused on that transparency and artist empowerment that we've that has always been a SongTrust core value. And I'm excited about the idea that, you know with them also publish, publicizing this information there are gonna be even more songwriters out there, producers, you know, anyone who has songwriting credit on a song, knowing these are my rights, I'm going to go get them. And uh, whether they work with song trusts, which of course we hope they will, we think we're the best solution, or they go, you know, they go out and get a publishing deal. They know that that's an option. And I think that's like really exciting.
1: Yeah, that's that's amazing. So one question that I I personally so this isn't necessarily my my lane of expertise. So I'm learning too when we have this conference, it's great. so yeah, I know the the limited amount that I understand about publishing and I, I I registered some songs under CSAC for my band, you know, a few years ago. And it sounds like so that's not enough in and of itself, right? Like, or, or is it like how, how exactly does it work? So for anyone who's listening to this right now, is like, well, I registered my songs on BMI or I registered my songs on CSAC. Um, what's the, what are they missing out on if, if all they do is that?
0: So CSAC or BMI are performing rights organizations. Um, you know, they're excellent, uh, long-standing organizations. The other one in the US obviously is ASCAP, but they're only collecting performance royalties. So yeah. if you're only registered with a PRO, you're collecting... Uh, public performance royalties for, you know, if your song is performed live either by you or someone else, hopefully that all can start happening again soon. If your song is played on the radio broadcast or internet radio, if your song is played in a cafe or, or, you know, a, a retail store, all of these public performances of your songs incur a royalty, but they aren't collecting mechanical royalties and mechanical royalties are earned when a physical copy of your your cd lp is sold cassette tape anything you know a digital download is sold or the song is streamed now streaming because it's a completely different type of usage for the music industry when when streaming kind of came on the scene with with spotify in 2011 it incurs both a mechanical and a performance royalty and it's about equal uh in terms of of it's half mechanical half performance in terms of the publishing royalties earned by a stream But if you're only with the PRO, you're only collecting the performance half and you want to make sure that you're also collecting that mechanical half and as well as mechanical royalties earned by physical sales, which are usually paid by record labels or distributors.
1: Mm, Super interesting. So with the mechanical royalties, are those generally, I mean, like if you distribute the songs through DistroKid or through TuneCore and something like that, like are they collected through there as well? Or is that something separate?
0: So if you're self-releasing through a distributor, like a distribution platform, like a CD Baby or a DistroKid, you probably don't have to pay yourself mechanicals unless you have a publisher who asks you to. But the streaming mechanicals are still coming directly from the DSPs, from Spotify, from Apple Music, from Tidal, to the MLC, to Harry Fox Agency, to Music Reports, and those are just in the U.S. There are mechanical rights organizations all over the world. And those are paid directly by the services, so you don't get them unless you go out and ask for them. And that's what the MLC was kind of built to address: is you still have to go sign up there, or you can sign up with Songtrust and we'll do it for you. It's easier, but you know, basically you have to go run after that money. And with Harry Fox and Music Reports, it was tougher because you had to, uh, you know, have a, a publishing entity. There was there's a lot more complexity in as an individual writer getting those royalties from the mechanical rights organization. So there are a lot of different pieces of the puzzle, right? Of your of your publishing royalties and in order to, to get them all, there are a number of different parties involved. And again, this is only the US. If you wanna get your money from outside of the US, say you're an artist and you're really big in the US and you're also really big in the UK, you're gonna wanna sign up in both places directly. Because while you can rely on your US performing rights organization to collect from the UK performing rights organization using reciprocal deals, it's a lot less efficient. It takes longer. There are more people taking cuts out. And because of data quality and and, differing systems from one organization to another, there's always the potential for lost data and lost royalties. So you're going to want to sign up directly in as many countries as where your music is popular. And if you get popular, or even if you're just medium popular in a lot of places, that's like a lot of registrations and a lot of paperwork. And maybe you should just, you know, go for a global registration partner like Songtrust. Just an idea.
1: (laughs) Oh man, I I love it. Yeah, it it sounds like really, there's this this huge amount of complexity and kind of this middleman work in, the, in whole you know systems that have evolved for like a long time to basically to, to just to be able to distribute these royalties and because of the complexity of it like it's sort of um, there's things that are lost or it's just like inefficient and really song trust is part of you know a growing movement of technology platforms that have in some ways, um, cut out the middleman or just made things much more efficient because of the way that technology has developed to be able to um, essentially connect, to connect the dots and to make it as efficient as possible. So that's so cool. I'm probably going to go after this interview, sign up for SongTrust. So what are some of the most, you know, having a lot of experience with you know, with, uh, you know, meeting with, with artists and artists who are, who are using song trust. what are some of the most common mistakes or, or misconceptions that you see them having, um, about the world of publishing?
0: I mean, there are innumerable misconceptions to have about the world of publishing. I think the biggest one is that it's like too hard to understand. And I think that again, that opacity has long been encouraged by the powers that be. I mean, I have a friend who's owned a record label. I think they just had their 20th anniversary or having it this year. And I told him, listen, I know you don't wanna do it but you're gonna need to start a publishing company and you should probably have it administered by Songtrust. And he's like, oh, music publishing is so hard. He literally put his, his hands in front of his face and just like put his head down. He's like, I don't wanna think about it. And we're like at a restaurant and this is like, a professional human being, but it's there's something about music publishing and the fact that it feels like it's got so many parts and it's got so much complexity and there's so many people involved that people just want to push it away and not deal with it, which doesn't work because then you're not collecting your royalties. And so it it ultimately is understandable. And I think one thing SongTrust really wants to do is help artists understand it. But also if you don't want to memorize the Zillions of acronyms for different performing rights organizations and mechanical rights organizations and trade organizations that exist in the world of publishing, you can sign up with us and we'll do that part for you, but you can understand like what's the master side, what's the composition side, what's the writer share, what's the publisher share, what is a performing rights organization? What are mechanical royalties? Like all of these different pieces, they are all understandable, it just takes being methodical and having someone who just puts all that information out there. And I think people get scared and sometimes they're going to sign deals that aren't necessarily super advantageous because they just don't want to think about it anymore. They just want a nice person to like take over for them and, and register everything and, and get everything, you know, going for them. But with Sound Trust, you know, we really want people to feel empowered and to have as much knowledge as they want to have.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. I love that such an important part of the the mission is really about like the education and you know, not just, you know, about, I feel like there's something disempowering about um, saying, oh, you know, like, you know, this is too confusing for you or like, you don't need to, you don't need to know this, like, we're, we'll just do all of it for you, you know, and there's that delicate balance because of course, like there is there's just countless things for us yeah. to do and learn and what and whatnot, but ultimately it does seem like it's really empowering to at least understand the basics and mm-hmm. and to be able to work with a tool like Songtrust that really does consolidate a lot of this a lot of this information. Um, is just hugely hugely valuable. And, and also I want to want to reiterate the point that you made too about how early on you know if you're tempted to. To get a publishing deal early on before you've really built up any clout or any credibility that you know that you don't really have much leverage at all because i see the same thing with record labels a lot where it's a lot of times like early on artists um before they've even really established any sort of fan base they feel like they need someone else to kind of come save them or someone else to like you know to do that that stuff and what they don't necessarily realize is that one that's going to be an uphill battle because you know there's a lot a lot of musicians and that they're looking for people who have the fire going already so they can kind of pour gasoline on it and if by some you know not necessarily miracle but if you by some stroke of luck you do get a record label deal you're probably going to get a pretty terrible deal because you don't really have leverage yeah so it, it does seem like like especially for artists who are listening this right now who are just starting out that this is an amazing solution for them to be able to plug into
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, with record labels, there's like a little more complexity because obviously they're doing a lot more marketing and um, making physical product and PR if they're doing if they're doing it right, right? If, if, if you get a label who's really passionate about you as a baby band, they can launch your career. But again, you've got to find the right people and not just sign to the first person or the second person who asks. Like, way better to book your own tour, release your own first record, and, you know, build up some sort of organic momentum by putting in some work and then like you're saying your second record um or you know do an ep or, or some singles or whatever and once you start getting some attention and you've got some of that like local even if it's just like local or regional audience like you've got you've got something to fall back on and and a lot more um you know proof of concept which will give you more leverage for a record deal for sure and also like you know how many artists sign a deal and make one record and then break up like <laughs> I'll answer that a lot. So maybe you can also decide if you like really, like go on a tour first before you sign yeah. a deal. <laughs> You know, more than anyone, right? Like, see yeah. if you can be in a touring band because it's very hard. <laughs>
1: yeah certainly uh <laughs> certainly it's not as uh, as glamorous as as you might think about it like on the outside um I remember yeah living in our van sleeping over warm parking lots eating peanut butter tortillas and sleeping in in motels and and uh, hotels that really were like retrospectively looking at it, it was like, we should not have been sleeping there. You There's like crime than, happening.
0: Might've been murdered. <laughs> no, we,
1: we literally could have been been murdered. There was cockroaches at one point. All right. So, so we had, um, had a little bit of a conversation when we were talking about topics, um, to talk about today. And, and and one thing that I'd like to, to really dig into is understanding publishing rights and kind of the difference between like the writer's share and the, and the publisher share. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that? Exactly how that works in terms of the writer share and publisher share. And, um, just like understanding the way that publishing rights work?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, just as a song, like if you have this concept of a song and it's a circle, there is the master side and the composition side, right? And they're kind of the frenemies that I mentioned, representing the individual recording of a song and then the underlying song. So no matter like there could be a hundred cover versions of a song and it's one song, but it's a hundred recordings, right? So you've got you've got those broken down and then your composition again is a circle and it breaks down into the publisher share and the writer share, which is actually pretty easy. It's half and half. And uh, your writer share is paid directly to the writer by your performing rights organization. And if you have a publisher or an administrator, the publisher share is paid directly to your publisher.
1: Mm, awesome. Okay. So it's like, there's like 50%, 50%, and then there's like 50%, 50% of one of the 50%. Um, well,
0: there's another 50% in between because the, again, remember the performing rights organization is collecting public performance, which is basically mm. half of your publishing royalties. So the writer share and the publisher share are part of public performance so your performance royalties your broadcast radio for example or your or when you submit your set list your your live venue performances those are all split up into writer share and publisher share no mechanical royalties are entirely publisher share so basically if you get paid a hundred dollars right if it starts at a hundred dollars it's going to be $25 writer share, $25 publisher share for performance royalties and then it's going to be $50 for publisher share for mechanicals. We have a lot of diagrams on our website that aren't just like someone waving her arms in the air, so obviously <laughs> and this is a podcast but um but yeah, so public performance is broken down into writer share and publisher share. Mechanical royalties are paid entirely to the publisher
1: thank god that the, that there's also diagrams um, in, right. on the website if we go to song trust that we can actually see just like a visual representation of how the breakdown happens with like the percentages w- what i what i'm hearing from it is that you know that there's a few different paths that it's broken up into you have like the overall composition and then you also have a bunch of splits that happen and you if you're both the publisher and the songwriter then you're going to get both sides of the split oh, yeah and so with song trust like you know so is it essentially like you take care of of all of all of that or is it a certain portion of it or
0: so writer share always goes directly to the writer from the PRO but what songtrust does we're a publishing administrator so we are collecting publisher share around the world from all sources and that's either directly from DSPs from folks like youtube whether it's from uh, mechanical rights organizations from PROs there's also a type called CMOs which just basically do Performance and mechanicals all in one organization. Those tend to be found in smaller regions, smaller countries. Um, We have some other licensing partners who work directly with the DSPs. We basically are built to collect from as many places as possible, as directly as possible in the most efficient manner. But yeah, you know, it is complex. But once you see it visually laid out, once someone explains it to you, it's understandable. It's not so opaque that you should just like, you know, throw your publishing royalties at at someone who asks. I will say song trust client i will not name you will all have heard of this person signed up with song trust manager i've known the manager for a long time and this artist signed up with song trust um, and you know onboarded registered their first album with us and you know high streaming numbers really great and then in march of 2020 there was a bit of a national lockdown because of a, a tragic pandemic and this artist who had previously not been interested in a publishing deal signed a multi million dollar publishing deal to support, obviously, the, you know, the business of this artist um, during the time when there is no live revenue. But what this artist did was, for the first couple of years, they were with Songtrust, Trust before they needed a creative partner, before they were able to leverage a multi million dollar advance. They said, okay, I'm gonna make sure I get all my rights. They had good streaming numbers. It was, you know, good, healthy, healthy revenue, but they were able to wait and they were able to say, well, this is my admin on this record. Think about what it's gonna look like on this record, plus sync, plus the other creative that a traditional publisher is doing. And they could leverage this much stronger deal. And so as much as SongTrust wants to keep our clients forever, we're happy to help an artist collect while they're developing. And get to the point where they're like, okay, I'm actually a big star now and I can leverage, you know, a mega deal and, you know, hopefully buy everyone I know a house. I don't know what you do when you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cool. So so it sounds like what you're saying is that one of the biggest benefits as well is that with SongTrust, if you're a developing artist and just getting started and you don't necessarily have the clout yet to get like a big publishing deal, you can get started and you can collect your royalties in the meantime. And then when the time comes that you build a lot of success and a big audience and you have these opportunities come to you with publishing deals, you have the ability to be able to to take those deals at that point.
0: Absolutely. Or if you get to a point where... You're working with a label that you really get along with and they're able to represent your sync on the master side then maybe you don't need a traditional publisher at all and maybe you've you know you've got all your admin sorted you've got someone repping you creatively and maybe that's that's another alternative or you're a completely self-released artist and you just you have an individual sync agent you have other people you have members of your team doing you know the creative work that a traditional publisher might do but the admin is so specialized and the, you know, it's like the doing taxes of the music industry or like math homework. It's, you know, it's, it's the least fun, the least glamorous but so important that people will really kind of bend over backwards to make sure their admin gets done. And we're, we're really there to be like, well, you can just get your rights sorted and figure the rest out and, you know, we'll be there. Just enter your songs in your dashboard and we're sorted. <laughs>
1: Mm, fantastic, you know I was the weird kid in high school that liked math. So so I actually I totally geek out <laughs> on that kind of stuff. But you but I have.
0: Publishing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what I have noticed is that most people aren't um, geeks geeks like me, and it's just hugely helpful uh, helpful to have um, tools that can do these calculations um, for us and that we can you know that we can we can utilize.
0: I mean, it's really um, funny because one of the bands I worked with who signed a publishing deal too early in their career, in my opinion. The drummer is actually a math PhD. He just wanted to focus on writing songs.
1: That's cool. That's cool. I mean, I originally one of the career paths that I was that I was going to take before I delighted my parents and told them I wanted to be a full-time um, touring musician was uh, was an actuary, which oh, wow, uh, was yeah. like all all about all about math and whatnot.
0: So um, similar to being a touring musician like so much overlap
1: yeah. i get it yeah i know that's that's the thing about it is that is like yeah it's like on one hand they're basically the same thing just yeah. one of them you know you're traveling non-stop in a van um with six other dudes and sharing utensils there, there's one time i don't want to derail things too much but there, <laughs> there's one time in, in retrospect this is pretty gross actually like but like I remember a time at one of our shows, my dad came out and there was like a piece of cake or something and we were like eating the cake and uh, all six of us in the band were like using the same fork and like we like ate this cat cake and my dad's like, no, no, he's like a bit germaphobic. So anyways, so one thing that, um, one thing that I think sometimes people um, get a little bit confused about, or it uh, might be a question that people have in terms of if they're like a songwriter and their co-writing songs, co-writing songs with with other artists and producers and, and whatnot. Um, how exactly how exactly does that world work in terms of um, you know co-writing songs and splitting the royalties? And what would you recommend for people kind of going into a co-writing session or working with a producer who's who's working based on some percentages?
0: So my number one recommendation that I think I've said in every every podcast, every presentation I've ever done is get the split sheet signed before you leave the studio, before you leave the writing room. And the reason is once your song starts earning money, it's you're gonna fight about the splits. So get the splits sorted once you leave the room, when you remember what everybody did, right? And there are software tools that, that kind of help with that. But that is such a crucial piece because in order to register your compositions with the PRO, with the publisher, you need the split information and you need those splits to be confirmed because you know, if you guys, if we write a song together, 50-50 split, and I leave the session without a signed split sheet, and I go register the song 100% as written by me, which I would not do, but if I did, you will then have to go in and contest it, right? And I could be earning money for six months or a year before you notice that this registration has even been made if the song has been released. But if you get everything sorted, if you get every all your split sheets done, if you get everything registered as soon as possible, then you're in a much better place. But if you don't have a signed split sheet, it's a lot harder to make the argument that you were a co-writer on a specific song. And then you're in, you're talking to lawyers, you're using text messages as evidence, like things get a lot, very complex, very quickly. But if you have this signed agreement, signed split sheet, it's easy. You just, you know, send it over to your PRO, you send it over to your publisher and they're, they're very easily able to resolve the claim.
1: So, what's up guys? So, quick intermission from the podcast, so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally were reserved for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called, Six Steps to Explode Your Fanbase and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're going to walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's going to allow you to grow your fanbase online. And the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, if you wanna do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is If people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually wanna hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you wanna do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hmm, Awesome, and so, I know you mentioned there's a couple of tools for like for for writing split sheets or like what what or would you just recommend like having a sort of like a printout that you normally do for split sheets or what, what would your recommendation be there
0: well we have a download on our website which is a split sheet it's a pdf it's just a pretty simple format um i don't know there are there are a couple of interesting software uh music collaboration tools um, that I'm sure that like you've used and and some of your listeners have used. and some of those will actually uh, capture you know some semblance of of song percentage of per, uh, uh, you know creation from the session, which is really amazing. And obviously when we're all kind of far apart from each other and creating creating remotely, that could that could come even more into play. but um the the real simple thing is just like, Get that split sheet printed out. Bring it with you. Everyone signs it. Everyone agrees, and you know you've got it done.
1: Cool. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. That kind of reminded me when you're talking about like the collaboration tools. um, I I haven't fully utilized this yet, but um, I'm taking a a course with Ryan Tedder right now, and he's he's talking about um, his production process and this website Splice. That yeah I've. worked with several producers who use splice a lot but there's a a a portion of splice that's all about collaboration and you can basically like upload your daw um, projects and collaborate with people like remotely of course the one that they don't have is pro tools which is also like you know i mean they have their own thing but the splice one looks really cool and it just makes me kind of geek out about this ability to collaborate remotely and to, to almost have Imagine like having a, a GitHub like uh, foundation where band members or even just like a wider amount of people can co-create yeah. a song together with like all their instruments and whatnot, which I think is kind of like what Splice is doing, mm-hmm. but I haven't used it yet. Um, There's a, a little bit of, of a tangent, but have, have you heard of that tool? Have you seen anyone using that collaboration tool?
0: Um, I'm very familiar with Splice. But um, I, as a non-musician myself, have not used their tools. I have, like, kind of toured their website and, and seen what they have to offer. But I'm not, I'm unfortunately not an expert in that arena. Um, there's a, a company called The Labs, which has an online collaboration tool that is, I mean, the GitHub idea is amazing. Like, the idea that you kind of put something out there and then other people can iterate on it. And so then you've got, you know, suddenly 100 versions of the song. And one has trombone and one has vocals and one has, you know, a drum machine or you know whatever um, and the artist
1: can approve like they like listen through like oh this one's cool like i'm going to i'm going to approve this
0: that is just a real confusing situation for music publishers right there but i think it's <laughs>
1: <laughs> right
0: people at my company are listening to this like no <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess technically yeah, if someone
1: if someone did that, I mean, like, would they just automatically have like a claim to a percentage of the composition, or would they have to like kind of like, sign something to like give up their rights if they were going to do it? If it was, it was mostly just, I mean, kind of the same thing with like GitHub, I guess like people could technically be like, "Well, I contributed to this this thing," but like they, you know, they don't really have ownership of it.
0: I think if it was if it was under like a Creative Commons license or something, it'd be easy. But just like doing a remix, like you can't just go do a remix of like a kanye song and release it like you have to you have to get an agreement together and and that agreement generally in the same way if it's like you know a previously released song and someone is doing uh doing a verse on it right they're gonna get a percentage of songwriting for that new version but those are all you know specifically uh created agreements with you know everyone's lawyers everyone's representatives on board because at the end of the day if you're not the songwriter and you're not the master owner everyone has to get in on that you don't actually have the legal right to distribute any you know remixes or or any sort of recreations of a song that isn't a cover which you are able to do legally but if you're using the original audio that's where you need uh, sample clearances you need remix licenses and, and and all that stuff so it is it does get interesting but covers totally fine they have to let you do it
1: yeah yeah i'm just going to i'll put a put a pin in this i think <laughs> at some point in the future like it would be so cool to have like a platform a github like platform where people can contribute and you know it would take probably i don't know maybe someone who doesn't like like have as many issues but in terms of like of of rights where it's like there's a 100 ownership so maybe it's kind of like anything and i know that there's a lot of musicians who like there's like remix things that they do that like where they do kind of allow people to create a bunch of remixes there's some cool stuff i mean like you
0: it. can absolutely you know do a creative commons license or something along those lines where you you say or even like you know think about like beatly say websites like you are giving like for your for your payment, you are giving them the right to use, you know, this sample, this, this top line, whatever, um, in their song. So I think there's a way forward for, yeah. for our new company that we're starting. <laughs>
1: Right now, uh, by the end of this interview, I want to have, have launched the GitHub of music production. <laughs> you know, w- one thing that I, that I think would be a great question to answer for people. Cause this is a question that I, I get a lot. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that you, you, you like have dealt with this question a lot too, is, is all about cover songs and cover royalties and what's, what are people able to do and how, what's the proper legal way to, to do cover songs. So I'd be curious, both in terms of like, on a few different levels, a few different levels, like, cause I also get a lot of questions about artists who are live streaming, doing like live performances, um, and they're like playing songs, uh, like cover songs live. And technically like, are they able to do that on Facebook Live or like, you know, is there, is that kind of a mucky area? Um, So that, uh, but then also just like, you know, if if maybe a, a, a easier one would be if someone wanted to record, a cover song and, um, and release it, what would be the the path forward in order to make sure they're doing that legally?
0: So, um, it's very simple. There's no problem. Basically, if you want to release it only to streaming services, the streaming services have blanket mechanical licenses in place in place with the publishers and the mechanical license is what you need to be able to record your version of a song. So they've already got it you can record the cover release it via you know distributor of your choice and you're all set if you want to make a physical product you're going to have to ask for a mechanical license either from the mechanical organization and that's going to be Harry Fox very likely or you can ask directly to you know the record label of the of the original song if you want to make physical product CDs or LPs, you're going to need a mechanical license to produce those. And you can get those either from mechanical rights organizations, uh, like Harry Fox, for example, has a very easy, you know, web-based application process if you're only making up to, I think it's like a thousand or two thousand copies. And otherwise you're going to want to, you're going to need a mechanical license from the publisher of the artist whose song you're covering. But usually those are really easy. Publishers grant mechanical licenses all the live long day. So, So, you know, unless you're some sort of problematic public figure, or I don't, I don't know. They're, they're going to grant it to you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. So, so it sounds like doing cover songs, you're going to record and release a song that there's really li- li- very little that you need to do uh, in order to release it um, on Spotify and release it, you know, distribute it on like distro kit or tune core mm-hmm. or CD baby. Um, you literally like, you can just do it and not even have to like do anything special with it. You just like release it.
0: Exactly, because mechanical royalties, uh, mechanical licenses are covered by they're they're basic. It's the law. It's the law that you have to be granted a mechanical license for a cover song. And the reason the law was created that way was so that it basically to foment creativity, so that mm. more people would do more versions of songs and kind of you know make them more of like a public resource for mm. people to cover. So they have to let you do a cover. There are just a couple of different ways if you wanna physically produce it, there's like one more little hoop to jump through. But um, yeah, it's, it's a very simple process.
1: Cool, that, that's awesome. And, and when you say like physically produce it, are you referring to like like putting out like merchandise with it or are you talking about like getting like CDs printed with it?
0: CDs or LPs, if, if you're talking about using the lyrics of a song in merch, that's a totally different story. That's yeah. a completely different license.
1: Okay. Gotcha. So, so we're just talking about like physical, like CDs, and, but if you're just doing it digitally, then, then you don't even have to, but, but, but also it sounds like what you're saying is that if you wanted to do these, these physical ones, that it probably wouldn't be as very big of an issue if you're not, you know, like a political figure that everyone, um, you know, is, uh, not wanting to affiliate with or something, then you, then for the most part, uh, you wouldn't have an issue getting a mechanical license. Yeah. And the they way have to, to give that- you
0: a license, but I could, you know, I could see, I could see like a publisher not wanting to do a license for someone who is really terrible. I've never heard of that happening, but, um, but it is a lot that you have to be granted a mechanical license to record a cover of a song.
1: Okay. And so, so remind me, so like the physical part of it, you do need to ask for permission, but like but with that part, do they actually have to give you permission to it if you ask for it? Or is that something a little different?
0: You know, I believe that they do have to give you the permission. I don't know if there are limits to what they have to grant. You know, if you're going directly with someone like a Harry Fox, it's it's very straightforward. But yeah, my understanding is they just have to say yes. But again, I feel like there are scenarios in which someone could argue that a cover wouldn't be allowed. But that might be like too theoretical, a bucket of worms to open. And make- <laughs> I have politics on my mind. But um, yeah. at the end of the day, they have to grant it to you. And the mechanical license publishing rate that you have to pay is the same for everyone it's just it's called the statutory rate and that's because it is set by statute that is uh the copyright uh review board sets it so it's not like you could be trying to do a cover of a metallica song and they're like well you have to give us a hundred dollars per lp that you press it's not it's like nine cents and it's Mm. the same for every song
1: Mm, okay gotcha all right, so on to a, maybe a slightly more difficult question, um, which is with the cover songs. Let's say that someone, you know, it, my, from my point of view, it, especially in terms of like this question in particular, is that um, it seems like there's a a lot of concern or a lot of questions about about this especially from like very small artists who are just starting out to like, they're like, they want to do like a cover song or they want to like play like a cover song um, to their audience or their private group, like on, on Facebook and right. like, they want to play it like on the guitar and they're concerned, like they're concerned. like is, is that okay? Is it going to be taken off or, or, um you know, what exactly, what are the, the laws around that? And for the most part, like my sort of take on, on that specific situation is like, you, you you probably don't really have much to worry about like look like it's not like they're gonna come after you with their lawyers and be like yeah! <laughs> you know, like you yeah, did this. like worst case scenario like you know it like it gets taken off or something but um i would be curious just to hear your thoughts or, or just to hear how it how it works in terms of like what how what is the situation with right there i've heard that facebook has like sort of like blanket um like royalty thing that but like in youtube but how, how exactly does that work in terms of um, being able to, to record videos of cover songs and to be able to do live streams while you play like cover songs, but like you do your own version of them. You don't like, you know, play it like a DJ, like on it. Right.
0: So videos. So, so live streaming is still a, a pretty big question mark, which is surprising after the year we've had, there are performing, performing rights organizations that are doing licenses for live streams in the same way that they would do for a live show. Right. And you know, in that case, there's no issue with the cover song if it's being licensed by the PRO. Just as the same way as if you go to a venue for 1,000 people and you play a cover song live. No one can stop you from doing that. Um, I guess the venue could shut off the lights and the sound. But the PRO, there's no rights issue with you doing that. And with live streaming, there was like an uneasy feeling that that's the case. But once that live stream is archived, or once you're making a video, everything changes. If you're making a YouTube video for a cover song, you need permission from the publisher, you're gonna need a license from them to be able to to create a video, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on broadcast TV, because suddenly that's a synchronization. And on YouTube, you know, a lot of the times, 99 times out of 100, this, you know, Rando's cover of a big song is never, no one's ever gonna see it. But any time you are doing a cover, and you don't have the proper licenses they could do a takedown a lot of the times if you have a monetized channel you know the publishing the owner of the rights will put a claim against it so you know the the they'll it'll they'll monetize your video on behalf of of their publishing ownership but there could always be a takedown and so that's something to remember don't spend a lot of money making a music video for a cover song without getting the rights
1: mm. gotcha awesome so so it sounds like if you are gonna record a, a music video and cover a song, that that is a synchronization and legally, they have a right to take down that video if they don't, If like it's, it's 100% up to them. And so if you wanna be really safe, then you need to reach out and make sure that you have a license to, to use that but at the same time you know as an artist who is up and coming you know it's it's a risk to record it but often what happens is that if they do if let's say that you record this video and it gets four million views then often rather than just taking it down they'll just monetize the Mm -hmm. video on their behalf so yeah if they monetize
0: this youtube channel they'll usually just place a claim against it but you know, sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll issue a takedown. Sometimes they won't notice.
1: Okay, gotcha.
0: But yeah, and that's only if it's a video. Remember, if you are just releasing a cover to the streaming services, you're fine. It's specifically mm-hmm. that element where it becomes a video, where everything gets gets different.
1: Mm. Gotcha. Okay, super interesting.
0: Because you're also gonna need, um, you know, if you, you know, if you look at traditional sync licenses, it's the master side and the publishing side, right? You need to license the recording as well as the song. But if you're just doing a cover of the song, you own that recording because you just made it at your house. But the sync side, the the publishing side of the sync still needs to be licensed to kind of look at it that way.
1: Mm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's definitely, it's really interesting too when, when you think about it with the, with the live streaming because, you know, it kind of has that element of it's like, it's live and it's like a broadcast, but then it's like after it's done being live, then it, they have the replay and the recording.
0: Right. And then um, you, maybe you still have the link for 24 hours in case you couldn't be up at like whatever time zone. So what is that? Is that still a live stream? So that's, you know, there's so many gray areas and, and the, the music publishing world is, there is not yet consensus on the rights involved in a live stream. Um, but for now, it's just, you know, some PROs are, are monetizing them. Mm. Okay,
1: gotcha. All right, well, hey, Anna, this has been, uh, this been really interesting. I feel like I've learned a lot and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and, and to share. Um, you know, a lot of these, the underlying roots of like how, publishing works and like the systems behind it. And SongTrust just sounds like an incredible organization um, with a great mission and purpose that simplifies this process for artists. Um, so if anyone's listening to this right now and they're interested in learning more or signing up with SongTrust, what's the best way for them to, to do that?
0: I just recommend going to songtrust.com and uh, you can we have a ton of resources linked directly from our website. You can download our modern guide to music publishing, which is an awesome resource um, and is totally free again. But we have a help center, we have a blog, we have a ton of FAQs that are just, you know, most of the questions you can think of to ask about music publishing should be on our website if we're doing our job, which I do think we are. We have something like 500 articles. So we cover a lot of topics, but definitely, and, and and you can sign up for more information. You can join our email newsletter. That's also where you can sign up to become a member.
1: Mm, beautiful, and also everyone that's listening right now, make sure to keep your eye out for our newest product called Modern uh, Song Trust, which is uh, the new GitHub of music production, <laughs> <laughs> coming out tomorrow. Something
0: very <laughs> soon. Just need a little bit more VC. Yeah, it just just. I, I think.
1: I mean, I don't know. I feel like we've done like ninety nine point nine percent of the work already, so it's just really like just like the. About it. Maybe we could just like find someone on Fiverr to just like you know make <laughs> it like do it.
0: <laughs> it.
1: Can you imagine? Can you imagine we just like submitted like a job request? It's just it's just that idea. It's like five, right five five dollars. Oh man. Oh fun. Um, yep. So so uh, Anna, thanks again. Really appreciate your time, and coming. I highly highly recommend uh, everyone uh, going out and and checking out Songtrust if you haven't yet. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.